0: I'm Barry Smith. I serve here as Vice President for Student Services and Registrar and have been here a little over a year. Good to be with you and uh, a number of you I I know in one way or another. It seems only appropriate that I offer to you Thanksgiving greeting. Happy Thanksgiving. Particularly to any of our American friends who might be with us or come with that tradition. Twenty-nine years ago, I experienced my first American Thanksgiving. It was my first year of seminary, struggling to make ends meet, both financially and academically. Cheryl and I traveled with new friends to their family's home in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. This was my first encounter with Pennsylvania Dutch and apple butter. Our neighbors to the south have a pretty good deal going for this holiday. Lots of football, food, family, and shopping frenzy. So here we are. It's Thanksgiving in the U.S. My university daughter is home for the holiday. I haven't seen her since mid-August, and we will have cause to celebrate as we gather together good times for all. Much is written in the scripture and expressed in our culture about giving thanks and thanksgiving. Much of it comes out of possessions, circumstances, and how we feel. Paul speaks to the church at Ephesus. It is a prison letter. Paul addresses the Ephesians first with praise to God and then with a prayer of intercession in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. We'll look at that in just a few moments. Why do we give thanks? How do we offer thanks? What does it take to be thankful and when? I want to share a story with you. Max Locato provides us with a challenge to understand fully grace and thanksgiving in what he's entitled the parable of the river. Once there were five sons who lived in a mountain castle with their father. The eldest was an obedient son, but his four younger brothers were rebellious. Their father had warned them of the river, but they did not listen. He had begged them to stay clear of the bank, lest they be swept downstream. But the river's lure was too strong. Each day the four rebellious brothers ventured closer and closer until one day, One son dared to reach in and feel the waters. Hold my hand so I won't fall in, he said, and his brothers did. But when he touched the water, the current yanked him and the other three into the rapids and rolled them down the river. Over the rocks they bounced. Through the rapids and channels they roared. On the swells they rode. Their cries for help were lost in the rage of the river. Though they fought to gain their balance, they were powerless against the strength of the current. After hours of struggle, they surrendered to the pull of the river. The waters finally dumped them on the bank in a strange land, in a distant country, in a barren place. Savage people dwelt in the land. It was not safe, like their home. Cold winds chilled the land. It was not warm, like their home. Rugged mountains marked the land. It was not inviting, like their home. Though they did not know where they were, of one fact they were sure, they were not intended for this place. For a long time, the four young sons lay on the bank, stunned at their fall and not knowing where to turn. After some time, they gathered their courage and re-entered the waters, hoping to walk back upstream. But the current was too strong. They attempted to walk along the river's edge, but the terrain was too steep. They considered climbing the mountains, but the peaks, they were too high. Besides, they didn't know the way. Finally, they built a fire and sat down. We shouldn't have disobeyed our father, they admitted. We are a long way from home. With the passage of time, the sons learned to survive in the strange land. They found nuts for food and killed animals for skins. They determined not to forget their homeland nor abandon hopes of returning. Each day they set about the task of finding food and building shelter. Each evening they built a fire and told stories of their father and of the older brother. All four sons longed to see them again. Then, one night, one brother failed to come to the fire. The others found him in the next morning in the valley with the savages. He was building a hut of grass and mud. I've grown tired of our talks, he told them. What good does it do to remember? Besides, this land isn't so bad. I will build a great house and settle here. But it isn't home, they objected. No, but it is if you don't think about the real one very long. But what a father. What of him. He isn't here. He isn't near. Am I to spend forever awaiting his arrival? I'm making new friends here. I'm learning new ways. If he comes, he comes. But I'm not holding my breath. And so the other three left their hut building brother and walked away. They continued to meet around the fire, speaking of home and dreaming of their return. Some days later, a second brother failed to appear at the campfire. The next morning, his siblings found him on the hillside, staring at the hut of his brother. How disgusting, he told them as they approached. Our brother is an utter failure, an insult to our family name. Can you imagine a more despicable deed, deed building a hut and forgetting our father? What he is doing is wrong, agreed the youngest. But what you are doing is wrong as well. We disobeyed. We touched the river together. We ignored our father's warning. Well, we may have made a mistake or two, but compared to the sleaze in the hut, we are saints. Father will dismiss our sin, and he will surely punish him. Come, urged his two brothers, return to the fire with us. no. I think I'll keep an eye on our brother. Someone needs to keep a record of his wrongs to show father. And so the two returned, leaving one brother building and the other judging. The remaining two sons stayed near the fire, encouraging each other and speaking of home. Then one morning, the youngest son awoke to find he was alone. He searched for his brother And found him near the river, stacking the rocks. It's no use, the rock-stacking brother exclaimed as he worked. Father won't come for me. I must go to him. I offended him. I insulted him. I failed him. There is only one option. I will build a path back to the river and walk into our Father's presence. Rock upon rock I will stack until I have enough rocks to travel upstream to the castle. When he sees how hard I have worked and how diligent I have been, he will have no choice but to open the door and let me into his house. That last brother did not know what to say. He returned to sit by the fire alone. One morning, he heard a familiar voice behind him. Father has sent me to bring you home. The youngest lifted his eyes to see the face of his oldest brother. You have come for us, he shouted. For a long time, the two embraced. And your brothers, the eldest finally asked, one has made a home here, another is watching him, and a third is building a path up the river. And so Firstborn set out to find his siblings. He went first to the thatch hut in the valley. Go away, stranger, screamed the brother through the window. You are not welcome here. I've come to take you home. You have not. You have come to take my mansion. This is no mansion, said firstborn. This is a hut. It is a mansion, the finest in the lowlands. I have built it with my own hands. Now go away. You cannot have my mansion. Don't you remember the house of your father? I have no father, he screamed. You were born in a castle in a distant land where the air is warm and the fruit is plentiful. You disobeyed your father and ended up in this strange land. I have come to take you home. The brother peered through the window at firstborn as if recognizing a face he'd remembered from a dream. But the pause was brief, for suddenly the savages in the house filled the window as well. Go away, intruder, they demanded. This is not your home. You are right, responded the firstborn born son, but neither is it his. The eyes of the two brothers met again. Once more, the hut-building brother felt a tug at his heart, but the savages had won his trust. He just wants your mansion, they cried. Send him away. And so he did. Firstborn sought the next brother. He didn't have to walk far. On the hillside near the hut, within eyesight of the savages, sat the fault-finding son. When he saw firstborn approaching, he shouted, How good that you are here to behold the sin of our brother. Are you aware that he turned his back on the castle? Are you aware that he never speaks of home? I knew you would come. I've kept careful account of his his deeds. Punishment. I will applaud your anger. He deserves it. Deal with the sins of our brother. Firstborn spoke softly. We need to deal with your sins first. "'My sins? Yes. You disobeyed Father.' The son smirked and slapped at the air. "'My sins are nothing. There is the sinner,' he claimed, pointing to the hut. "'Let me tell you of the savages who stay there. "'I'd rather you tell me about yourself.' "'Don't worry about me. Let me show you who, ne- Let me show you who needs help,' he said, running toward the hut. "'Come. We'll peek in the windows. He never sees us. Let's go together.' The son was at the hut before he noticed that firstborn hadn't followed him. Next the eldest son walked to the river. There he found the last brother, knee deep in the waters, stacking rocks. Father has sent me to take you home. The brother never looked up. I can't talk now. I must work. Father knows you have fallen, but he will forgive you. He may, the brother interrupted, struggling to keep his balance against the current, but I have to get to the castle first. I must build a pathway up the river. First I will show him that I am worthy. Then I will ask for his mercy. He has already given his mercy. I will carry you up the river. You will never be able to build a pathway. The river is too strong. The task is too great for your hands. Father sent me to carry you home. I am stronger. For the first time, the rock-stacking brother looked up. How dare you speak with such irreverence? My father will not simply forgive. I have sinned. I have sinned greatly. He told us to avoid the river, and we disobeyed. I am a great sinner. I need much work. No, my brother, you don't need much work. You need much grace. The distance between you and our father's house is too great. You haven't enough strength, nor the stones to build the road. That is why our father sent me. He wants me to carry you home. Are you saying I can't do it? Are you saying I'm not strong enough? Look at my work. Look at my rocks. Already I can walk five steps. But you have five million to go, the older brother replied. The younger brother looked at firstborn with anger. I know who you are. You are the voice of evil. You are trying to seduce me from my holy work. Get behind me, you serpent. He hurled at firstborn the rock that was about to place in the river. Heretic, screamed the path builder. Leave this land. You can't stop me. I will build this walkway and stand before my father, and he will forgive me. I will win his favor. I will earn his mercy. Firstborn shook his head. Favor won is no favor. Mercy earned is no mercy. I implore you, let me carry you up the river." The response was another rock. Firstborn turned and left. The youngest brother was waiting near the fire when firstborn returned. The others didn't come? No. One chose to indulge, the other to judge, and the third to work. None of them chose our father. So they will remain here? The eldest brother nodded slowly, for now. And we will return to father? Asked the brother, yes. Will he forgive me? Would he have sent me if he wouldn't? And so the younger brother climbed on the back of the firstborn and began the journey home. All four brothers heard the same invitation. Each had an opportunity to be carried home by the elder. The first said no, choosing a grass hut over his father's house. The second said no, preferring to analyze the mistakes of his brother rather than admitting his own. And the third said no, thinking it was wiser to make a good impression than an honest confession. And The fourth said yes, choosing gratitude over guilt. Each of us has experienced our own compelling pull of the river. Through the redemptive act of Christ, we have victory over its constraining power. Those of you deep in theological thought can understand the various tenets of theology that are conveyed by those four brothers. In the few minutes we have set aside here yet, I want us to focus on this Thanksgiving day. Let us ask ourselves, for what and why are we thankful? Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in prison. That's hardly similar to sitting around the table after consuming more poultry and stuffing than necessary and tossing out inane platitudes. Look with me at verses 15 through 19 of Ephesians. As I read them for you. For this reason, ever since I heard about you, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father whom Jesus, sorry, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in His holy people. Within the theme of Thanksgiving, there is acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. It is because of Him and from Him that we experience grace from which we can draw upon and live within each moment. I know what time of the semester it is. I'm the registrar. (laughs) Some of you are facing a tremendous pull of the river. The current is more than you can bear. You feel like you are far from home or from what is familiar, hold closely, draw deeply from the strength of God's provision of grace. And as you study His Word, as you learn more about Him, be thankful. Don't just be theoretical. Don't just be consumed with the pace of the day and the requirements of the next assignment. Give thanks. And be conscious of the pull of the river that can draw us from, home, Father's love, and the grace that he provides. Let me pray. Father, may I, on behalf of this assembly, offer to you our thanks, our celebration of the grace that is ours through your Son, Jesus Christ. And the bounty that is available to us if we but seek that which is true, that which is yours, and that which is available. May each and all go from here, mindful of that which is ours, through Christ Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.